Let me uh, introduce myself. My name's Lloyd Shadrach, one of the teaching pastors. For those of you who may be guests in the room or online, uh, Rob Sweet's our lead pastor. We <clears throat> both teach rotating between our Brentwood campus and our Franklin campus. Just want you to be <clears throat> aware of that. Before we get to our text, <clears throat> I want to draw your attention to what we've been in for the last few weeks, and that is what we call the Follow Campaign. You guys know this. If you're a member here, uh, we are embarking on resolving two major facility issues. Uh, you know, we haven't done this in over 20 years when we put this over our heads. Um, <clears throat> God has provided 15 million and we're seeking to bring another 15 for the entire project for Brentwood and to build out a Franklin campus. What a gift, what an opportunity, what a time to be alive and be a part and get to be a part of this. Um, we have, we're in this season now where we're making our commitments. And so we've asked everyone to take a <clears throat> follow commitment card where you'll fill out your three-year commitment and asking you to drop it in one of these uh, boxes around the campus. <clears throat> Excuse me, or you can call the church office. Y'all, this is, it, it's absolutely necessary in that we, you know, if you don't tell us your commitment, we don't know what that, we don't know what we have to work with going forward. So on the 27th, and we're having, asking you to have those in. And then on the 29th, Sunday, we'll, we'll celebrate whatever the Lord has, has brought in uh, through us. Let me say to those of you who've made your commitment, uh, thank you so much for your generosity. Um, we're so grateful. When Rob and I say we don't want you to miss it, we mean it. We don't want you to miss this opportunity. Um, <clears throat> I will tell you that what we, what we seek to, to measure in, in, a, in something like this um, beyond the <clears throat> financial goal is participation. Just hear us on this. That's, that, this we can do is invite participation. I can stand up here till I'm blue in the face and go, look, unless we all don't do something, we probably may not get where we need to go. And that's not to guilt anyone, it's just a reality. There are about 1,100 giving homes, so to speak, you know, that give throughout a year to fellowship, our church, both at Brentwood and Franklin. <clears throat> our goal in this campaign is that 700 would participate. And you go, why not all 1,100? Well, because <laughs> I don't know that we could, all 1,100 would, I pray they would, but 700, it would be super gettable. And many of you have, have given, and so I wanna say thanks. I will tell you, we're not halfway to 700. So, so those who've not made that commitment may encourage you, uh, pray about it and, um, and, and make that commitment before or on uh, the 27th. <clears throat> thanks so much for that. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. <laughs> we are in that section of John called the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus's final words. Rob and I keep reminding you that they are final words because <laughs> within an hour, Jesus will be arrested. Within an hour of the words we study today, he'll be arrested. Within a day, he'll be <laughs> crucified, hanging on a cross, dead. And it lends weight to these words, profound and significant weight to these words. <clears throat> when I became a Christian, when I was 18 years old, I was not familiar with, I really wasn't familiar with the Bible, quite frankly, at all. <clears throat> but I surely wasn't familiar with the, um, these passages we're, we're studying here. If someone had said to me, um, upper room discourse, I would have thought they said upper room disco. Because 78 graduate of high school, you know, I'd have been getting my fake ID to go to the disco as we did back in the day. Um, but... My first year as a Christian, I had, I had no idea of these words. And I will tell you, my first year walking with Jesus was, was it's weird to say this, but it was disastrous in a way. 
<clears throat> because my expectations of what a life of faith would look like ran into the reality <laughs> of what it means to follow Jesus. I didn't know that until I began to understand these things here. And I'm, I mean this when I say it. <clears throat> when I began to understand these things, especially right out of the upper room discourse, my Christian life radically changed. It did. And I've said this to you many times over the past 26 years. I've said, <laughs> the reason I'm standing in front of you is what God did in my life when I began to understand this person and work of the spirit and the reality of a life of faith. And I say that to say, if anyone <clears throat> grasps Jesus' words and trusts them to live them, I'm telling you, your faith, your walk with Christ could be radically different than where it is today. Last week, Rob had verses, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 18 to 25. By the way, this is, not, this is not allergies. This is called a Tennessee victory voice, just for that. I'm just saying, I don't always get to say that because I often have a Tennessee defeat, defeat voice, right? But I was at the game and I held myself back once again from trying, you know, but still get this. Um, Rob was in 18 to 25, and in that passage, he, he, he said, look, those who abide in Christ, the world will hate you. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> well, why will the world hate you? And, G and Rob said it, because if you're following Christ, you've switched allegiance. <clears throat> you no longer pledge your allegiance to self. You've pledged your allegiance to Jesus. You no longer pledge your allegiance to the world, <clears throat> to a cultural system that is godless. <clears throat> no, you said, I pledge my allegiance to God incarnate, the God-man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so how does God resource? How does God equip and bring us <clears throat> through the hatred of, of the world uh, through, through times when the Christian life is more battle than blessing? That was my dilemma. That's what, I keep, that's what I'm saying to you as a young Christian is I thought it was gonna be all blessing. <laughs> so saying, well, I'll have more to say about that in a moment. Our text this morning, Jesus gives us three things. There's, there's more, surely. It's not a formula. <clears throat> but as we move through our text, we see these three things that every disciple must possess and practice. You will not survive the hatred of the world <laughs> without trusting Jesus in these three things. They're on the screen. It's the outline of our passage. <clears throat> 15, 26 to 27, he says, bear witness of me by the Spirit. When the world hates you, verses 16, one to four, he says, remember what I told you by the spirit. <clears throat> then he says in 16, five to seven, trust when the world hates you, trust the greater story by the spirit. Why do I keep saying by the spirit, by the spirit, by the spirit? Because it is explicit and implicit in this upper room discourse, okay, that we're in. Do you know that Jesus speaks of the coming and the giving of the spirit five times? <clears throat> he just keeps bringing it up over and over and over because it matters that much. Let's start with verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> Bear witness about me by the spirit, God's word for us today. I'm gonna pick up in verse 25 where Rob ended. But the word, <clears throat> but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. 
But when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We know that this word um, helper is the Greek parakalitos. It's the one parakalled alongside the comforter. Your, Your translations will, you know, comforter, advocate, encourager, the, the, the way I, I, I encourage you to think about the spirit, what Jesus, who and what Jesus is and all he is and all you need Jesus to be in your life, that's the Holy Spirit because it is the spirit of Jesus in us. 1417 called him the spirit of truth. Our verse today referred, Jesus says he's the spirit of truth. What I want you to see in the context is that he's not saying he's, he's truth, like mathematical truth, universal truth. He's, it's not the focus. The context is this. He is the spirit who tells the truth about Jesus. This is the focus. He's the spirit of truth. That means he shines the light on Jesus to say he is who he says he is. He did what he said he did. He's the spirit of truth and that he opens the eyes of those who cannot comprehend the truth of Jesus, which Paul says, all of us, you all understand, all of us before trusting Christ, we couldn't comprehend it. First, uh, first Corinthians, we, the natural man can't comprehend the things of the spirit. The spirit has to open the eyes of a natural man to even understand that who Jesus is, that all Jesus is and what it means to place our trust in him. <clears throat> I want you to remember this is, this is about us, that, that you and I, you know, if you've trusted Christ, you understand it's not because, it's not because you're that smart. It's not because you, you studied it, I figured it out, and now I see this is reasonable. Okay, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus. Paul says that's impossible. It requires the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Open your eyes to go, I see it. <laughs> I believe. It's a work of God, not a work of the flesh. <clears throat> and yet, what you and I do matters. Look at verse 27. And you, you also will bear witness. We bear witness as well of the truth of Christ. And so you, so you say this and you know that you'll know the answer to this question. Is it the spirit that brings people to Christ or is it God's people who are filled with the spirit telling people about Christ? Which is it that brings people to Christ? And you know, the answer is yes, it is both. It is both. I don't want you to forget the context again because we're in this context around persecution. The world is gonna hate you for saying Jesus is the only way. The world, the, the world will hate you when, you know, I, I, hated, I hated Jesus when I thought, hey, he wants to take away all my fun. Or I, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know Christ, you hate, you, you rebel, you hate Christ. <clears throat> to, for us as Christians to say to, say to the world that Jesus is the savior, you died on the cross for your sins, that you need to turn from yourself and you turn, need to turn to God and trust him. You know, they, 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 they will hate us for that. And the way that you address that hatred, here's where it gets profound, is you you continue to do the very thing that makes someone hate you. (laughs) 
Lord, what do you mean? I mean this, that as we tell others about Jesus, they, they'll, they, can, they would resist it. The word will resist that. And you'd be persecuted, dismissed, you know, whatever by, by the world. And Jesus says, yes. And as they do, the way you move through that is you continue to tell them about Jesus. The very thing that brings persecution is the very thing you keep doing in the midst of difficulties and hardship and persecution. I think, I think this, <clears throat> God's purpose is not just that, you know, through our witness, because the spirit has to do this, but it's not just through our witness, someone will put their faith in Christ. It's through our witness, our faith will be deepened. Our own faith will mature. That comes through hardship, even as I'll mention here in a moment. In the face of persecution, bear witness about Jesus by the Spirit. And then look at 16, one to four. <laughs> Remember, Jesus says, what I told you by the Spirit. This is where chapter, <clears throat> chapter breaks get a little odd. Uh, there were no chapters in the original Greek manuscripts. So, you know, this is continuation. It's not like new chapter, it's the same conversation. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. <clears throat> Let me address first of all the, the great danger Jesus says here, falling away. It's the Greek word scandalizo and we get the word scandal from it. Now in the Greek, it carries a number of meanings as all Greek words do, all English words. It's, it carries the idea of lapsing in faith or falling or being led into sin. Now, <laughs> some hold, and, and uh, trust me, I, I, I wouldn't die for this, but I'm gonna tell you what I believe is here. Some would say that this is a warning, and, and I think there's reason for this. <clears throat> this is a warning of losing your salvation by renouncing your faith. <sighs> it could be. <clears throat> My understanding of eternal security, which I taught back in chapter 10, and Rob and I would agree on this, leads me to see this not as a loss of salvation because I think, as I said there in chapter 10 and in other places, when someone genuinely puts their trust in Christ, genuinely has faith in Christ's saving faith, they're eternally secure. <clears throat> John himself does write in a letter later, 1 John, and he, he gives his explanation of what, well, how do you explain someone who says they trust Christ, they look like they trust Christ, they live like they trust Christ, and then one day they say, I don't trust Jesus anymore, and they, and they you know, <laughs> apostatize. John said it this way, if the season of unbelief or the season of unfaith or the season of faithlessness, right, <clears throat> is permanent, John tells us why, First John two nineteen it says they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain they are, they all are not of us. They never, never held genuine faith. Now what Jesus wants them to know is that the lightning rod that's been on his head is now on theirs. So here's, here's where we get to this, the main part of this text is <clears throat> all through these three years of ministry, who got all the bugs in their teeth? Who was on the front of the radio? You know, who was on the front of the, Jesus. Everything hit Jesus. They persecuted 
Jesus fundamentally. And Jesus is saying, as he's gonna say in a moment, I'm getting ready to leave and the lightning rod's now on your head. <laughs> it's gonna be costly for you to follow me. And it says they put them out of the synagogue, y'all. It's hard for us to grasp the gravity of that. It's because for us, you know, if like, if you were put out of a church, you'd kind of either go to another church or you'd just go, I don't know, you'd probably go, okay, I'm just gonna be my own church. Or you know what I'm saying? We just go on about life. In this context, to be put out of the synagogue is is to be put out of life in a sense. It's to put out a religious, social, family, economic life. You don't, you're not gonna get to do business in your community. You are, you are ostracized and you know, rejected, you see, by, by all the people. So this is tremendous cost. And it gets more severe. People will kill you. This was real to them. This is not metaphoric. You know, they'll kill you. No, they'll kill you. And it gets even worse. When they kill you, they'll say, I'm doing this in God's name. That, that I'm killing you because this is what God wants. I'm, you know, I'm following God. It's just horrendous. You know, when we go, when we go from this book, <coughs> or actually the book of Luke, which Luke was writing, Luke then writes the book of Acts, and we step into the book of Acts, which is everything Jesus says here, the book of Acts is that book that tells us how did they apply it? How did they live it? Did it happen? My goodness, you can barely get into the book of Acts two, three steps in, and Stephen is stoned to death, y'all, because he says Jesus is the Messiah. (laughs) And they stone him. And we know this, and you know this, that the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he says himself, I tried to kill as many of you as I could. And he did, dragging them from homes, putting them in prison, killing them. Jesus doesn't comfort the disciples here by saying, Look, I'm gonna keep you from all of that. No, he comforts them by telling them it's gonna happen. And when it does, I want you to remember, I told you this was gonna happen. How is that a comfort? You know, you go, wait, that's not comforting. Well, look again at verse four. <clears throat> he says, but I've said these things to you that when their hour, this is the enemy, the enemies that are gonna persecute you, when that happens to you, I'm saying this to you so it'll come to your mind and you'll remember, I told them for you. The hour, their hour is when Stephen's being stoned and Paul's dragging people out. And and, and Jesus says, I want you to remember when those things happen. I said these things, what does he want them to remember? He wants them to remember this, I think. Remember how Jesus speaks of his own hour? My hour, my hour, what's his hour? His hour is his glorification and his glorification is his persecution, his crucifixion and his death. It's that time when it looks like it's over. The enemy has won. (laughs) But in Jesus's hour, what do we know it's followed by? His resurrection. So in their hour, when you're persecuted, and yes, indeed, when you're killed, when you're put out, and it looks like it's over, mm -mm. remember my hour? Resurrection 
And the same is true for you. There is no other path to glory for you and I, but this path that Jesus walked. And he's explicit on it. You remember when we were, we were in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 10 to 12, he says, this is, this is New Living Translation. And so it, it's, it's a little wordy, but it, it gets the point. Jesus said, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, <clears throat> count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten in to this kind of trouble. See, I had misguided notions of when I placed my faith in Christ. I thought he was gonna save me from, I like the, that Peterson used the word, I thought he was gonna save me from trouble. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I'm actually inviting you into trouble of this kind. I, I, I came to faith by reading the four spiritual laws. What a gift to the kingdom. So I, I would say millions coming to faith through just this four step track of how to place your faith in Christ. Wonderful. Now it begins in this way. God, ha God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And, 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 and wonderful and goes through the gospel. But what, what, if a, what if a biblical track started with this? They're gonna put you out of the synagogue. They're gonna kill, you know what I'm saying? But that's what, that's what you're stepping into, you see, as we put our trust in Christ. And in that way, Jesus glorified, risen, we are glorified and risen with him. When the world hates you, when you're cut off, dismissed. And I would say, you know, in our, in our day, in our culture and time, it's probably more people think you're an idiot for what you believe. People think you're intolerant, right? Or people think you're irrelevant, Christians, so to speak. There's, there's that sort of persecution, if you will. When that happens, Jesus says, continue to bear witness about me by the spirit. He says, remember what Jesus has told, remember, and then we need to remember what Jesus has told us by the spirit. And then last is this, this is 16, five and seven. It says, trust the greater story by the spirit. Let me read that, verses five, six and seven. It says, but now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I, I, I can just absolutely relate to the disciples here the one whom they left everything to follow three years ago is now saying, I'm leaving. Now again, they have the whole context here, but all they hear is that I'm leaving. Can you imagine that? You gave up everything to follow and then the leader says, I'm, I'm gonna leave you. It's interesting to me that it wasn't the persecution that kind of tipped their boat, was it? But once Jesus says, I'm leaving, sorrow filled their, that emotional response to him leaving. The sorrow is really what you think it is. It's sadness, deep sadness, grief that he's leaving. <laughs> what I wanna note, and I'm not throwing them under the bus because this is me. 
This is us. At that very moment, can, can you catch that their eyes are on their immediate future? What this way, you're leaving this way. We gave everything for you and now you're leaving and it's right on this immediate future. And we know that because Jesus said, I'm leaving and none of you are asking about me. When he says, I'm leaving, you know where he's going. We talked about it a moment ago. Within an hour, he'll be arrested. Within hours, he'll be beaten, unjustly condemned, nailed to a cross. That's where he's going. And, and, and it's very, I think he says, none of y'all are concerned about where I'm going and what, what he's going and what he's going to do to accomplish. No, their, their, their eyes are on their future. Look, we gave up everything to follow you. Now you're leaving. You know, it's kind of more, more within the moment. But he says it's their advantage. It's to their advantage. What does he mean? Well, back in chapter six in John, it says the Holy is speaking of water and it says he's speaking of the river of the spirit and the spirit hasn't been given yet because Jesus hasn't been glorified. So when is Jesus glorified? When he's crucified and dead on the cross, buried and resurrected. So where he's going is to accomplish that glory. And when he does, then he can, he can give the Holy Spirit. He can send the Holy Spirit. Often we say, man, if Jesus was just right next to me, well, there's something way better than Jesus next to you. How about Jesus in you? See, this is what the, this Carl has said in his prayer. We sang in our songs, Christ lives in us by the person of the spirit. It's no longer, you know, if, there's, if Jesus wasn't resurrected and didn't send his spirit, we'd have to go find him to be near him in a sense, physically. But now he's in us, not diminished. This is weird to say, he's more alive since he died than when it was just him in his physical body, you see. In persecution, we can know by the spirit that there is a greater good. Like for them, it's like, don't go. But Jesus knows in his going, there's something greater. And that's why I say in persecution that we need to trust the greater story <laughs> rather than our immediate moment when it looks like it's over. Does that make sense? And when I say greater story, I'm talking about the story from Genesis to Revelation that we live in that time when the, the Christ was promised and we live in that time when we know he's come, he was buried and he was raised. And we know that one day he's coming back. And when he does y'all, when he comes back, he sets everything right and whole forever. And therefore, whatever trouble is right here on you and there's trouble on everybody in this room in some way. We believe the greater story is true for us. Faith requires that we, we hold God's ultimate purposes even as his temporal purpose crushes us. Faith, I will hold to God's ultimate purpose, it's true. Even as the circumstances of life right now are crushing. When our expectations of what it means to follow Jesus run into reality, we are prone to discouragement, faithlessness, sorrow. And if I three things, find three things in our text Jesus offers, I would say Jesus calls us to this. They're on the screen. Bear witness of me by the Spirit. 
Remember what I told you by the Spirit. Trust the greater story by the Spirit. So having heard this word from Jesus, the invitation now is what is the Spirit inviting you to trust him for? I want you to look at these three things. The Spirit lives in you. Trust the Spirit to put upon your heart what's the promise for you to hold, to rest in. Perhaps there's a step of faith the Spirit's requiring of you, inviting you in one of these three things. Would you take a moment? I'm gonna invite the worship team back out. We'll be, have a song of response in a moment. We'll come to the table as well. But this is a moment for you to talk to God. And you can hear him because the Spirit lives in you. Pay attention to what he says. Would you do that for a moment? invite you to take the elements for the Lord's table. If you've placed your faith in Christ, that's why we, these are for you. If you're a guest of ours today, but you you know Christ, this is your table. And so certainly we invite you to it. Take the bread and the cup and hold them in your hands. We receive this table together in a moment. When Jesus told the disciples, I'm leaving, he was leaving to do this. He said, I'm leaving to secure your future. (laughs) You're standing with a holy God. I'm leaving that I might redeem a fallen people and a creation (laughs) that is rebelled. And Lord Jesus, as we come to this table, we're mindful the bread symbolic of your body broken was broken for us and we say thank you. Receive the bread. And in the cup, we're reminded that life is in the blood and your blood was poured out for us. You gave your life in our place. It was to our advantage that you go and be glorified in this way that you might send the spirit whom you have. When we come to this table, Lord, week by week, we're proclaiming, we are proclaiming, yes, you poured out your life for us at a time in history. And and there is a moment that will come in the future when you will return to set all things right, make all things whole, to bring peace that never ends. We remember and we proclaim, receive the cup.
Y'all, I, I will, um, we will have a song of response that we will sing in a moment, but <clears throat> I want to just pause a moment, if you will, and I want to speak to you about these world events that are happening. Uh, Hamas and the atrocities inflicted upon Israel. Unspeakable. Uh, we're mindful, you know, we as Christians who follow Jesus, Jesus is Jewish. He'll always be Jewish. God chose Israel of all the nations to bring us our Savior. In God's providence, I, I honestly don't know how this all works out, but I, I do believe Paul writes in Romans 9 through 11, God, there's a future for ethnic Israel, the people of Israel, there's a future. And we pray for Israel. I want you to hear me on this. Because Jesus has come, see. God doesn't just love Israel. He loves all people. So yes, we pray for Israel. We pray for Palestinians and Americans and Japanese. <laughs> Every people, all people. Because in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Without going way political, understand that Israel today, that Israel has rejected Messiah. But they're God's chosen and we, we pray for them. Yes, indeed we do. But so much death has happened and is gonna happen. On both sides of that, are they, is it not? So let us pray and I'm gonna lead us in prayer in a moment. God's heart, I just don't want us to miss. See, Israel, Palestinian, America, we gotta bend our knee to Jesus Messiah, all of us. had a conversation with my daughter this week, our daughter, Lisa and I, we have a daughter who's in, in New York and you know, New York can be a scary place to live. Our daughter there is kind of wired like me, just carries fear. And she just called me this week. And uh, it's just, you know, for her, you know, she's on social media and whatnot. And she goes, dad, I keep this social media stuff. And it's like, you need to watch out, this is gonna happen. Or there's rumors or news, you know, it's just coming at her. And, and, and I said, honey, you don't need to be looking at that. And I took it to Psalm 46. And I've taken you all there many times because I think it is so appropriate in times when it feels like the world, oh my gosh, is this the end? What's happening? And the psalmist in Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Listen, what's the one thing a Jew would look at in the country and go, this will never move. A mountain. And he says, even if a mountain moves into the sea, God, you are our strength and our fortress. And I told Susan, I said, honey, listen, I, I wish I could say to you, nothing bad's gonna happen in New York. Can you say that to any of your children? Can you say that to anyone? 
Anywhere? What can we say? Though the mountains move into the sea, our God is a very present help. And so we bring Jesus into our fear. Fear's okay. Tells us something's dangerous. You, you know, you better watch out, etc. It's okay. But we bring Jesus into that fear and we rest in that. And that is what we pray for ourselves and for our world. And by the way, when we're in the word, you know, rather than looking at all the news per se, I, and I read the news, but we go to the word and what we find is not we go there to go, is this the end? Is the world coming to the end? Is this the about? Look, we don't know when that's gonna happen. Jesus said, there'll always be wars and famines and rumors of wars. What do the disciples say? Jesus, are you restoring the kingdom? Oh my gosh, do you know what came out of Jesus' mouth next? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And what did they do? They lived like crazy to proclaim Christ. That's what they, what, what should we do in these days? Can I say this? And I'm not trying to bend it this way. Bear witness of Jesus by the Spirit. Remember what I told you by the Spirit. Trust the greater story by the Spirit. This is what we do. I want you to stand and let us join to pray for Israel, for Palestinians, for all. Lord God, we stand and events have unfolded that absolutely can undo us scare us you are sovereign and oh God there will be a day when so many Jews will come to you Paul says Romans. we pray for that day but the horror of what Hamas unleashed we pray against that evil and the darkness of that we also remember so many Palestinians who have nothing to do with Hamas suffer in this war. Bring cooler heads to leadership. Protect your church people. Have mercy and grace. Lord, you love the world. You love us. And we're grateful. Hear our prayers. Peace of Jerusalem is you, Jesus, because you're the peace of the world. We invite you to reign. In Christ's name, amen. Y'all, I'm gonna ask you to lift your voices because in a sense, we're gonna sing this song and you're gonna hear these words, we're gonna sing these songs that we're fighting a battle that we've already won. And so when life is, is crushing us, and I wanna say this, on a, at a global level, when the world's like, oh my gosh, it's all falling apart, or at a very personal level in your life just imploded because Jesus lived and died and rose again, and he lives in us by the person of the Spirit, we can say, I am fighting a battle. Yes, but it's already won. It may even take my life, <laughs> but I'm gonna be resurrected. <laughs> That's what's true. That's our hope. That's our confidence. And that must be our song today.